Well, you know, I think when it comes to food, we're looking for uh, what are the things that allow us to break in. And coconuts and pomegranates have something in common, which is it's sometimes hard to get access to what's on the inside. So this is my buddy Pete's with us today. He's a professional chef, attends our church, and he's going to be making something with pomegranates for us today. So what do you have in store? So good. Good evening, everyone. Morning. Morning's fine. Yeah, morning's morning. Fine. <laughs> Maybe I got up this evening to be here. It feels that way. Yeah. It feels good. But um, so today we're going to make a pomegranate uh, with a warmed goat cheese spring salad. So what we've done, uh, and you'll see in the recipe as well, a lot of instructions that are more uh, advanced, but yet very easy for you to do. But I'm mm -hmm. trying to make it as easy as possible for you all to view and to understand. Mm -hmm. But uh, so simply, we took goat cheese, uh, we brought it out, got it nice and plastic soft because we do not want to burn it or we don't want it to melt where it's oozing. So okay. we're going to lightly uh, put a little oil in the pan. Okay. And this is the goat cheese mixed in with what? What's on it? Uh, these pecans here? Or? Yes. Thank you. So we took the pecans and we made a caramelized pecan, candy mm. pecan crust on it. And then I rolled it in that. And then we have some leftover to, to garnish into the salad okay. mix when we make it. So we've got a nice spring mix right here of uh, 80 acres lettuce, which you can get locally at Kroger's or any of your local uh, purveyors. Uh, beautiful butter lettuce. It's sweet. It's got some good savory flavors to it. And then we're going to add some uh, fresh Honeycrisp apples. We've got some shaved uh, red onion, and then obviously mm. the most beautiful thing, the pomegranate itself. Nice. And we'll finish it with a little salt and pepper, and then we'll do a nice blood orange reduction in it. Yeah, so I would guess uh, having only eaten pomegranates by seeds, so as you're eating the salad, you're uh, also noticing when you see the pomegranates, you spit out the seed too, right? Absolutely. I know a few people eat seeds, I'm not necessarily mm. one of them. So, so it's, it's garnishing it, you are tasting it, but you're also spitting the seeds out as you're eating it kind of thing. No, the no, seeds, okay. you can take them straight through. Oh, you can? Okay, I yes, didn't realize sir. that. All right. Absolutely. So it's adding the taste and the texture to it. Yes, nice. absolutely. Okay. All right, so you're going to be adding that to it, and then... Um, we're also going to be adding, uh, as he's done, we're going to be having a drink to go with it. We're going to add a little pomegranate juice as well in that, and we finish that up as well. Absolutely. Okay. So, so what's going on here now? We're going so we're going to add the blood orange vinaigrette to it. Okay. Give it a nice toss with my nice. tongs. And by the way, he's tossing that. Um, we do have the QR codes both in your program as well as it'll eventually be on the screen later on in the service. So if you do want these different uh, recipes, they are available throughout the whole series. Uh, if you go to our website, it use the QR code. So. All right, so we're mixing that together. Now, what's kind of the ratio? Like, how do you know how much is so enough? what we want to do is gently just, you just want to coat the lettuce. You Bring don't it over want here to so it's in the light here so we can see it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. You want to yeah. get a nice coat, just a, a nice glaze on it. Okay. Uh, because you want to obviously taste the, the lettuce more than anything with all gotcha. the different flavors that we're going to okay. palate with that. Mm-hmm. Get a nice spring mix there. Nice, all right. And then we're going to take some leftover candied pecans that we had earlier. Okay, are those like brown sugar? What kind of candy it's, is on there? So it is brown sugar, uh -huh. vanilla, Extract oh, nice. okay. and a little bit of water, and you reduce that down, huh. fold it into the pecans, and you can roast them off in the oven for eight, ten minutes at 350, and you'll get a nice golden brown. Huh. Excellent, okay. And we'll add some Honeycrisp apples to that. Yeah, nice, okay. Anything particular about the Honeycrisp? You just like uh, it's the seasonal brothers? thing, and that the crunch and the, and the tartness of it really helps uh, bring out the, obviously the pecans are sweet, you're going to get the tart from that, so it's oh, gotcha. okay. a little bit of combination of that. Right. A little, a little pepper, pepper, yeah, looks nice, yeah. Salt. Excellent. And then the main. Can you just heaping those on there as much as possible? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell you what, they are so good for you. They're healthy and a beautiful, beautiful antioxidant. Yeah, we all found out we're a little bit out of season, so we actually had trouble finding a, uh, a pomegranate for today. So I'm glad you got those uh, seeds for us. That's awesome. All right, so here's what we got. All right, this, well, that looks delicious. And so that, again, the goat cheese on top, all the different pieces. And uh, so let's do the drink, and then we'll take a bite of both. Right? And that's the beautiful thing. You can, we made that in literally two minutes yeah, sure. at the most. So, again, other than sauteing your goat cheese for two, three minutes on each side, which it mm -hmm. is in the directions, 
it, um, it's a very simple uh, saw that you can do quick and easy. And Excellent. All right, so meanwhile, what we have is a drink to go with it. So by the time we're done, we're going to take a bite of that thing and take a drink. So what's going to be mixed up in this uh, drink? So we've got some us? fresh organic orange juice. Okay, Splash nice. Yep, nice. And then we're going to add, obviously, the pure pomegranate juice. juice. Okay. How much are you putting in there? Just again, double. Just another splash in that because okay. you want to be able to see things. So sure. Okay. And then we add a little at the bottom because these will, as the carbonation hits it, it will raise it to the top. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, very interesting. So it's not going to taste good, but it's also going to just add a little bit of a look and presentation to it. All right. Excellent. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this looks like a fancy meal we put together in like five got minutes. A beautiful spring of a rosemary to garnish oh, okay, that. Okay, nice, nice. And then a nice little orange zest peel. Uh huh. And it complements it. Excellent. Bon appetit. All right, bon appetit. Nice job. All right. That is delicious. Oh my goodness. Excellent. Cheers. All right. Let me take a quick bite of this too. Please do. All right. Not sure if I can do that without making a total mess. I'll get some pomegranates in here and some apples. All right. <laughs> I don't think I can get some salad too. All right, here we go. Mmm. Get the warmth and its creaminess mm -hmm. and the nut. Mm-hmm. Get a little tart. Yeah, it's really interesting how those mm -hmm. things work together. Awesome. Can we thank Pete for being here today? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I appreciate thank you. it. Mm. Well, again, I am not a huge salad fan. That is delicious. So. Again, if you're interested, we have the QR code here on the screen. You can take a picture of that. It'll take you directly to our website. And there on the website, you'll be able to uh, get uh, the particular uh, recipe for today as well as others. So let me take another drink and eat this, and we're going to jump on the message here. Mm. The big piece of lettuce. Mm. Well, today we are talking about pomegranates. Now I got it. Um, and pomegranates are really interesting. So let me show you a picture of what one looks like. Kind of cracked open, and maybe you've seen them before, but what's interesting about pomegranates is they are one of the oldest uh, fruits mentioned in ancient literature. So you see in ancient literature, as you look back, they'll mention certain things, and, and one of those mentioned in the most ancient of documents is this fruit called the pomegranate. It's still grown today in the Middle East, the area that Jesus and the Bible is from. What's interesting, too, in oral tradition, it's probably not scientifically exactly accurate, but it's an oral tradition that the average pomegranate has 618 seeds in it. So it's close to that. But the reason 618 became part of the, the oral tradition is because in Judaism, those who love and follow the God of the Bible and the God of the Old Testament specifically, there are 618 commands that God gave to teach us how to live the best kind of life. And so the pomegranate is a reminder of God's promises. And his promises and his commandments and his direction, wisdom, is designed to bring, bring just a sweetness to, to work and to your faith and to life. Just those three areas. And so whenever a person would begin to think about a pomegranate or taste of a pomegranate, they would think about those 618 promises or wisdom of God and think about how it could flow out through their connection to God through faith their connection to their work, as we'll see in a moment, as well as their connection to their love life, as we're going to see uh, in a little detailed passage later. So what God's offering, I think, to you and I today through the pomegranate is that he's offering this sweetness. He wants us to see his wisdom as sweetness, right smack dab in the middle of our life, and it can flow out in whatever area um, we put it, our faith, our work, and even love. 
So let's look at three ways the pomegranate points to this kind of sweetness we can have in life. The first one is the pomegranate, it points to what I'm going to call an accessible faith. For many of us, we grew up and the Bible felt opaque, a religion felt like a whole bunch of rules of do's and don'ts and just it didn't want anything to do with it, very complicated. But also, no matter what religion you follow, there was always a sense in which mortals are here and whoever God is, he's immortal and he's perfect. And so mere mortals can't just step into or access the presence of a holy God or a perfect God, right? So you'd have to have sacrifice, you have to have coverings. You got to do something to have an imperfect person, a person who makes mistakes, step into the presence of something perfect. We even think of that today. I mean, if you're walking down the street in downtown Cincinnati, maybe you're jogging, you've got your casual clothes on, you jog past your favorite five-star restaurant, you would know it would be inappropriate for you to go into the five-star restaurant in your casual clothes. You would have to change your clothes. You'd have to put on a jacket. You'd have to have a covering to enter that kind of space. That was kind of the same idea as God wanted to know or wanted to teach people that mere mortals could access his presence, and he used pomegranates to teach it. Isn't that strange? Let me show you. He actually, in the first part of this passage today, he calls up the artisans, the artists. And so if you're an artist or a creative, it's an esteeming of artists here. He says, speak to all of those who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the gift of, or spirit of wisdom. He says, there's, there's wise people who are really good at craftsmanship. That's who I'm after here. And he says, that they may make Aaron's garments. So they're going to make that Aaron was the priest that would, would give people access to God's presence. And when you're making them, I want you to make their outfits blue. And at the bottom of their gown, I want you to hem, at the hem of the garment, I want you to put pomegranates of three colors. Go back one. Blue, purple, and scarlet. And these three colors are very significant. So blue represented the priest, because he's already wearing a blue outfit. It meant that only priests had access to God, but this priest gave you mortal, mere mortals, normal people, access to God. The word purple or the color purple, rather, was for royalty. God was the king of the universe, and he was saying you could come into the presence of the king of the universe, purple, and red, he was offering forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because, again, it's that covering of what you've done wrong in order to come into the presence of perfection. So he goes on, he mentions that there's bells here at the bottom of that hymn between the different pomegranates. So, a golden bell with a pomegranate is dangling on that road, a golden bell and then a pomegranate on the hem of the, of, the, of the garment he has around him, that you can enter into that perfect presence before the Lord, or the holy place before the Lord. Now, maybe that's hard to picture, and what does it really look like to see that priest? So, here's an artist's rendering of what that might have looked like in its day. So, you can see he's wearing a blue outfit, but if you look there at the bottom, he's got different things dangling off the hem of his garment. And so what would happen is there would be a golden bell, and then look at that right there. So look at that specific pomegranate. kind of looks like a pomegranate because the way it, it flares out at the bottom. It's got the different colors in there, access, royalty, and forgiveness. And when the priest would go into God's presence, you could hear him, dang, 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 jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. And so you would know, hey, there's somebody who has access to God, and he's having access on my behalf. Here's another artist that we got a hold of who's uh, Jewish and who's made these pomegranates. And here's another way they made it. So again, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate. Now, these aren't just like fictitious stories or folklore. 
In fact, recently, in the last couple of years, archaeologists have found in, in Jerusalem some of the actual bells that date back to the, the, the gowns worn by these priests, and they've actually found the literal bells in Jerusalem to this day. All right, so who cares, Chad? That sounds like a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo and pomegranates. Well, why are they even on there? Well, again, it seems to be that pomegranate represents the sweetness of God, that the, the, the perfect God in his sweetness wants imperfect people to know what it is to be adopted as royalty, to have access to his presence, and to be forgiven through the red in order to know they could be in his presence. But here's what's key. In God's economy through the Bible, you don't earn access, you're given access. All right, because no matter how many chances I get, I'm not going to be perfect. And if God's presence is perfect, <laughs> I just keep making mistakes. I'm never going to, as an imperfect person, gain access by earning it. So what God does is he says, I'm going to give you access. This is true of a lot of things in our culture. Yeah, I want to get into that business circle. I want to get into that VIP club. I want to go to that party. And often you can't earn your way in. You've got to get in through a relationship. Somebody else, based on their credentials, based on what they have done, invites you in. And you're able to get in because you've been given access from someone else. I was up in Nantucket last weekend, and it was raining out, so I met a guy at a party, and we were chatting a little bit, and he says, hey, he says, it's raining, do you want to swing by the yacht club? I said, oh, I love boats, uh, love sailboats in particular, would love to do that. So he said, well, come on over. My family and I have been uh, in this yacht club, you know, for two generations. That's awesome. So we went over to the yacht club, and as we got in, I got in access based on his credentials, based on his invitation. I was given access. And I said, well, how does one kind of get a membership here? He said, well, it's so sought after in Nantucket that the only way to get access is on your 30th birthday, or maybe it was 35th, one of the two, you have that birthday only to decide if you want to renew a membership uh, for the next generation um, in this yacht club. I'm like, wow, that's a tough club to get into. So while we're sitting there, he says, by the way, do you play backgammon? I'm like, I love playing backgammon. He brings out the most incredible backgammon board I've ever seen in my life, and we're playing there at the Yacht Club. And, and I don't want to brag, I do actually, um, but uh, someone won three out of the four games. Now, I will say, I learned more about backgammon. Uh, his dad had been a professional backgammon player and won like his first car and everything else from the place, so we had a great time playing backgammon, but I had access to this space, this special space, this five-star space, because I was given access by somebody else. Now, here's what's interesting when Jesus shows up. Jesus, the Bible teaches, he is the high priest for all of us. So suddenly, all this need for priests and everything else in the past, Jesus comes and says, I am the priest that gives you access. I am the priest that will adopt you into the royal family of my dad. I am the one, because I died on the cross, you can have forgiveness. So now, you, if you accept this gift that I'm giving you access, you can right now, today, normal, layman, not religious person, not, not, uh, not pastor, not priest, you can pray directly to God. You can boldly come into his presence. Me? What you have you pray for me? No, you can pray directly to God because Jesus gives you access. And that pomegranate is a reminder of the access that Jesus gives for us. Several years ago, I was talking to a guy in our church about this whole idea of talking directly to God, experiencing forgiveness from God. And he said, Chad, his name's Steve, he says, I just never thought I could talk to God. And if I did talk to God, I had to use a bunch of religious prayers or religious language. He says, I didn't realize I could just talk slang to God. It's my normal language. I said, yeah, you sure can. 
it became an incredible place of him. We're in a series called Honest to God. You can find it on our website and the app. That he just learned how he could have access to bring his concerns and his worries and his dreams to God personally because of access. So that's the first thing pomegranates do. The second thing we find that pomegranates teach us is not just about access to our faith, but it really brings your work to a higher level. Pomegranates in the Bible show that my work can be, it can point to a higher purpose. I'm not just working for my clients. I'm not just working for my shareholders. I'm not just working for my family to have money. Those are all great things. But even gives you a higher purpose in work. So I'm going to take you back to the time of Solomon. He was a famous king in Israel. And he decides he's going to build this temple to honor God. And it's going to be an incredible architectural feat. So he hires this guy named Hiram. Now Hiram is from a place called Tyre, which basically means they're outside of Israel. And this guy's father has apprenticed him for years to be the best, not at praying, the best, not at Bible study, the best at working. His father was a bronze worker. Hiram was filled with wisdom and understanding, and he had a skill in working. He came to Solomon and did all his work. Now, just in a few verses, look at how many times work is esteemed. Worker, working, work. The Bible allows you to say that there isn't like spiritual activities you do in church on Sunday and non-spiritual things you do during the week, Monday through Friday. Everything you do, your work is a way in which you serve God, love God, and connect to your creator. It connects everything you do, whether you're working with numbers, working with bronze, working with people. All of this is a way you serve the God who gave you those gifts. So good old Hiram starts to build these two pillars, gigantic pillars on each side of the temple. And when he's doing that, he is going to carve into these six foot wide, 27 foot tall, it's about just over where our, 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 our light is above me here, right up where our, our wooden um, beams come together. That's how tall this was, six foot wide. And he, he carves pomegranates, of all things, into the pillars of the temple. It says he cast two pillars of bronze, and he made the pillars and two rows of pomegranates. The capitals, or the top stone on the pillars, had pomegranates above. Now, these are actually stone, not bronze. But look at that craftsmanship. Look at that attention to detail. And God is doing that, or Hiram is doing that, about 30 feet up in the air. And kind of like when you come into our room, you have this sense of transcendence that the architecture put together. And there's details you can notice, but the, the overall, you're, you'd be taken by the whole building. But he puts attention to detail on 200 pomegranates, we'll find out in a second, 30 feet in the air. How many people are going to know how much craftsmanship and time and energy went into 200 pomegranates? It might only be God that sees it, but he does his work, his excellence, his finishing touches, because he knows God can see it, and hopefully it inspires others. So as he's building the second pillar, as you see right here, it says there were 200 pomegranates. Can you imagine? Ta-ting, ting, ta-ting, ting, ta-ting, ting, into the bronze. That's a lot of pomegranates. But his work, he's not just working for the people who are going to attend, for the visitors that are going to show up. He is working unto his creator. So then these two pillars get built with all these pomegranates on it, and then this, the, the temple is completed. When it's completed, looks something like this in Solomon's day, pillar on one side, pillar on the other. The bronze was now encased with gold. 
and they named the two pillars. Can you imagine that? Hey, have you seen our, uh, have you seen our garage? I call it Jim. You know, so the, they named these pillars in their room. And so one of them on the outside they named Jochen, and the other they named Boaz, which literally means God will establish and God will strengthen. And isn't that what all of us want in our work? God, I want, I want what I'm doing to matter, not just to make a paycheck. I love money, and I love using money to bless other people as well as provide for my family. But God, I also want to establish it to a higher purpose. I'm not just working for clients or working for my own family. I'm working for you. I'm using your gifts your way. And it just infuses everyday work with meaning. And don't you sometimes come across something, you're like, man, I'm stuck. I need outside wisdom, outside strength. I need God to strengthen me to do the work that needs to be done. And that's why your work can point to a higher purpose. It does three things. It means when no one else notices how you're caring for your parents while they're aging, and they're getting a little crabby and not even real thankful, God is noticing. When God is noticing how you're trying to save jobs and you're getting flack because there's layoffs coming and you're trying to save as many jobs as possible and you're getting all the flack, but nobody saw how hard you worked to save as many jobs as you could, God was taking notes. Everything you do, unnoticed, unthanked, God is noticing and will reward you. Number two, that means that, that Mondays are just as sacred as Sundays. It means that God is just as pleased with you coming to church today as he is when you're running numbers to bless other people, to impact other people, to manage a system well so that everybody works together well. It also means you have access to outside strength. I had a mentor friend who shared a story about uh, a colleague, it was either NBC or ABC, working up in New York. And this top executive had hired an anchor. And of course, to get a, a New York anchoring position was a big deal. So this person had got big step up, come to New York, and within the first month, this anchor made a terrible mistake, just terrible mistake, a fireable mistake, one of those mistakes you don't come back from. So the executive called the anchor into his office, and, and they knew what was coming, and they sat down, and they said, listen, I know I blew it, I'm so sorry, I know you're here to fire me, I'll just make this easy for you and give you my resignation. And the executive said, well, yeah, this is a big deal, and it's a fireable offense, but I want you to know that when the pressure came down from on high, I told them that it was my fault because I didn't train you right. And I didn't tell you kind of how our protocol was different here in New York. And I'm going to give you another chance. The person was flabbergasted. Like, this is a dog-eat-dog -dog kind of industry. There's 100 people in line wanting this anchoring position. And, and, and this person had, had worked their way up to that position. There's no reason they should take a hit to their reputation for me, I barely know me. They said, can I ask you something? Why would you do this? I said, hey, don't worry about it. Just take the gift for what it is and, and let's move on. I said, no, I gotta ask. I've just never seen this in our industry. Why would you take a hit to your reputation for me? He asked three times and finally the executive's like, fine, listen, I'll, I'll say it once, but don't ask again. Now she's really intrigued. He says, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus I don't know if you're into God or anything, but in my practice of faith, the God of the universe came to earth, and he took a hit to his reputation. He got humili hum humiliated. He got crucified because of my mistakes and the way I blew it. And he doesn't give us a second chance. He steps in and forgives us, and he, because he took a hit for his reputation, I figure I can take a hit for mine. Well, she was an agnostic. She had no interest in religion. She's like, 
what kind of a religion has somebody at work be willing to care so much about somebody else they're willing to take a hit to possibly their career? This was so intriguing to her that she began her own spiritual journey, started going to his church, started learning about Jesus and God and the Bible, and it was so different from the religion caricature she'd heard, she began to find higher purpose in her work and access to faith through Jesus. Not because of some pastor. We're paid to say this stuff, right? When a real person (laughs) talks about a real faith in real life, now that's what really makes an impact. Don't you want your work connected to a higher purpose? All right, lastly, what do pomegranates have to do with our love life? (laughs) Well, pomegranates point to an inside-out partnership of praise and pleasure. That God says that marriage is designed by God to be an inside-out partnership. You love each other for the inside and the outside, which means both the inside, your spirit, your soul, your friendship aspect of your marriage is so critical, and we learn how to affirm each other and give attention to each other and praise each other. The Bible also says that God designed uh, intimacy and marriage for our bodies. And so here pomegranates show up in the Old Testament, Solomon writing again, to talk about how marriage can be a partnership of physical intimacy and emotional intimacy, and he uses the pomegranates to express it. Here's what he says in the Song of Solomon, chapter 4. He's describing his wife. Uh, This is during their wedding week. He says, your lips are like a strand of scarlet and your mouth is lovely. The temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Have you seen a pomegranate? You'd be like, well, that doesn't sound like a compliment. Thank you very much. Well, you look like a, you're like, like, like a weasel. You know? But in that day, he's basically the temples include your temples and your cheeks. That you have this rosy feel to you. He's just affirming her and praising her. Now, the pomegranates were often used in cultures, Israel as well, as a, a fruit of sensuality. It would be used to describe a woman's breasts and things like that. But what's really interesting here is he uses it to talk about her insides. When I look into your eyes, honey, you're like a pomegranate, which is you look beautiful on the outside, but the sweetness is on the inside. And you ever notice the difference between when you compliment your spouse, not just for what they're doing, thanks for taking out the trash, thanks so much for how hard you work for us. It's nice to be complimented for what we do, but it's even more powerful when you compliment people who you are. Honey, thank you for being so loyal. Man, you are such a good mom. I think it's the way you care about our kids that means the most to me. You feel how that's deeper? Don't just thanks for bringing home a paycheck or thanks for taking out the trash. Those are nice things to say, but thank you for being such a hard worker. Man, I can see how much you care. Man, your kindness is just something that's really rubbing off on the kids. You see how you're complimenting, you're praising. And in this whole book, Song of Solomon, it talks about how married couples can learn to praise each other with this inside-out focus of who we are and, and not forgetting to notice. And if you are here several year, uh, months ago, Shanti Feldhahn, an expert researcher in marriage, said the marriages that make it long-term are those who remember to be grateful for the little things. Of the dozens of things your spouse is doing week in and week out, We just forget to mention it, to notice it. But the couples that are grateful and express gratitude make it for the long haul. So this pomegranate, this this fruit of sensuality, is actually used to describe her insides first. However, it's then used to describe their lovemaking. So we get into a later chapter of the book, and it's a combination of a dream sequence or a few other things, and, and they are later on in their relationship in a dream sequence... And maybe things have gotten a little like uh, routine in when they make love or when they're intimate. And so they decide to add some variety to their, to their lovemaking. 
So this is the, the wife speaking. She says, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. I know my husband's attracted to me. So I know what to do. We typically make love in the evenings. Let's get up early. We're going to make love in the, a new routine in the morning. And so they go through the vineyards. Again, this is a private vineyard. Don't go into somebody else's vineyard and do this. But, you know, Solomon owned his own vineyard. So it's a private vineyard. So they go out in the vineyards and let's see if the vine is budded, where the grape blossoms are open, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. So they literally go outside early in the morning. They're in the vineyards. They're in the garden. They see the pomegranates. And she says, right here under the tree of the pomegranates, there I will give you my love. And then she goes on to say all manner of touches we're going to have. We're going to have some new types of touching and some old types of touching, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. So something to put on your Valentine's card to your husband right there. Just write that one down. <laughs> so, but we also know that in marriage, this particular issue can be an issue where there can be a lot of pain because you might have a different appetite than your spouse and it can feel like, oh my goodness, I'm just being used. I'm only cared about for that. So just know we're right now in a series in our first service called The Song of Solomon. The, the power of passion in marriage. We're going into detail through this book. So we've already been three weeks into it, and I'm going to be speaking for the next two weeks at our 8.30 and 9.45 service. If that's of interest to you, get online or you can come next week. And next week in particular, we're going to talk about how do you adapt to each other when you have different appetites. Because the Song of Psalm is amazingly helpful and practical in showing that example in the book. Now, I don't know how many of you have heard of Terry Crews. So Terry Crews is an actor, he's a producer, and he also um, is the host of AGT. Well, I was listening to him talk about his journey in marriage and in intimacy in particular. And he shared very openly that his marriage had been kind of waning, kind of growing apart. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. They've been married since 1989, which is like an eon for Hollywood. And one day his wife called him up when he was on a shoot somewhere and said, Terry, you got to tell me, what is it I don't know about you that you're hiding? And he'd become a Christian when he was 17. But this was kind of a moment to come clean on something he'd been hiding for 20, 30 plus years. And in that moment, he felt like God was saying, come clean, this is one more chance and he admitted to his wife that he had a severe pornography addiction that sadly he'd been introduced to when he was nine years old. If you look at the science, it just changes your brain chemistry and everything else. Well, she is shocked and horrified because he then went on to say that that also led him, not pornography's fault, but that contributed to another terrible thing he did when being unfaithful. She's like, that's it, we're done. And he's devastated. But he's also never brought this shame out of the darkness. He immediately calls up his pastor, and his pastor said, listen, I can't promise you anything you do is going to save your marriage, but you need to do this for you. And as he began thinking about that, he realized that he had just started to treat his wife terrible. In fact, the last couple of years, his, his wife had called him Mr. Image. He was so carefully crafting his image as an actor in Hollywood that in front of the cameras, he would treat her well, dote on her. The minute they got in the car, he would short and bark at her and cut her off. Mr. Image. Well, he decided he was going to get healthy for himself. He hoped to save the marriage. So as his wife and he would talk, he described that he was going to put himself into uh, intake for this, for this addiction. And that got her attention. Mr. Image is going to go into a rehab program for a sex addiction. 
this is not the husband I've been married to. He's taking this seriously. And at the same time, the pastor's wife began to mentor with his wife, and she learned this could be the end to be justified, but it also might be a new beginning. She began to learn how to forgive as she saw him genuinely making changes. And then he said something amazing. He said this was the most powerful part of it. Part of his treatment was to go 90 days with his wife without being physically intimate. So she had to agree, he had to agree. He said that 90 days, and you get into the science of it, how it reprograms your brain in a real healthy way. That 90 days, he said, I was like I was 12 years old again. I just liked this girl. And I brought her a flower, and I wooed her. We went out to dinner together. And she began to see all the mistakes I'd made. I now could see her, affirm her. He goes, that 90 days became absolutely critical to us resetting our marriage. And now, it's been 10, 20 years now, maybe 10 years now. He said, our marriage is in such a healthy place, both in our bedroom as well as the living room as well as our life, because I was willing to ask God to help me deal with this issue that had been in the background. And they're flourishing now. The pomegranate. (laughs) How our love life can be something that brings us sweetness as well. So here's what I want for you. I want you to find the pomegranate purpose for your life. Maybe you're not married or in a relationship, so that loved one, you're kind of like, I'm not ready for that or that's not for me right now. But what would be the pomegranate purpose for you? Do you know that you don't have to wish you're going to get to heaven or hope you can pray to God, that you can have access? The pomegranate would point you to say, maybe today, man, I want some of that scarlet, blue, purple access. Or maybe the pomegranate purpose for you is, man, my work just feels like a drudgery. But the Bible says whatever work you do, it might be your dream job, it might be this drudgery job, but if you're working before God, he's going to reward you for every little thing you do. It can infuse your current job you love or you hate with higher meaning. Wouldn't it be great to have a higher purpose, a pomegranate purpose to your work life? And lastly, to your love life. What would it be like to talk normally and naturally about intimacy in a way that I tell couples all the time, you'll end up talking about this one way or another. You'll learn how to talk about it in a healthy way or you'll have an unhealthy conversation. But if we can learn to dialogue on this topic, it can make all our relationships a little bit sweeter. So let me show you what happens with the pomegranate. Thank you. I'm going to invite the band to come out as I do this. And I'm going to resist the temptation to eat more of the salad. The pomegranate is really hard to open. It's got a really hard outer shell. And yet when you rip it open, right, when you rip it open, there is a sweetness there. As our old tradition says, 618 promises, commandments, and wisdoms from God that can make our lives better flourish, bring peace into our life, bring more love of his into our life. But as Drew mentioned a few weeks ago, the food metaphor is used throughout the Bible. And one of the ways it's used is God says he stands at the door and knocks. He he wants to come into your life, but he's not going to barge in. He knocks. He's a gentleman. He opens up his love. He opens up his wisdom. And he says, I knock on the door. And then he says, if you will open the door, And if you'll let my love open that door, I will come in and dine with you. I want to come in and enjoy time with you. I want to come in and and eat with you and hang out with you and enjoy a meal together. 
So the question for us is, if God's willing to, to open up the sweetness of his, his eternal characteristics to us, and he's knocking on our door, what does it look like for us to respond? Respond to his love, his character, and his invitation. And God said if we do open that door, invite him in, we find that his love is accessible to us, that we can go and share that with others. Maybe you want to take that invitation this morning. If you do, you can bow your heads and pray with me and just say something like this. God, I hear you knocking. And I'm opening the door of my heart. Thank you for dying on a cross for my imperfections to give me access. To adopt me as a royal heir. God, will you let your love flow through me, your patience flow through me, your other-centered love shower the people around me with the love you've given me. In Jesus' name.